The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact, Seed Equity Ventures, and Patch of Land. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and our guest today is Nell Derek Debevoise. And Nell, we're thrilled to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Devin. It's great to be here. This is an awesome series. Well, thank you. You're kind. Nell, you are the CEO and founder of Inspiring Capital. Tell us what Inspiring Capital is. Yeah, absolutely. A pleasure. Inspiring Capital is a social enterprise. We're a B Corp headquartered here in New York City. And we help people align their skills and experience and professional aspirations with their values and, and what they care about in the world. So that manifests largely in the form of professional development programs. Uh, we work primarily with women re-entering the workforce right now. So maybe they took a break to raise children or, or other personal issues. Uh, and now they want to come back to work and use their skills, whether that be an MBA or JD or banking or marketing or whatever else they did. Um, and they want to do that in, in a fulfilling way for uh, an organization that's, that's furthering social change. And so we have a program that helps them navigate that transition. Uh, we also work with MBAs and undergraduate students during the summer um, and more groups to come soon. Um, but that's primarily what we do on the talent side. It's really uh, exciting stuff. So when did you get started and how? Good question. We, we started in June 2013, and we started actually as a consulting firm. I have 10 years of nonprofit experience, and then I got my MBA. And so I, I saw that there was this gap. You know, there wasn't enough kind of finance and strategy skills on a daily basis in a lot of social change organizations. And so they had magnificent models and, and high quality programs, but weren't always able to be as efficiently funded or operational as they would have liked to be and as donors would like them to be. So we started a consulting firm to help provide services in finance and strategy that understood, though, the challenges of nonprofit and social change work. Um, and we learned a lot in the consulting work, but most importantly, when we asked for maybe one summer MBA associate to work with our little team of two, we got 72 applicants from Columbia, Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, just unbelievably qualified young people wanting to do this work with us. And so it's from that kind of market discovery that we, we pivoted to focus more on the training. Um, we and our, our participants still do consulting work. That's a really important part of our model. Um, but our emphasis as a firm is building out this leadership development um, for these bilingual leaders who understand strategy, finance, business principles, as well as social change. Well, that is really uh, amazing work. And I appreciate you sharing the, the story of how that got started. The this really is an interesting space. What, what's your assessment of the the space today uh, compared to where how you found it a few years ago? Are you seeing a, an increasing sophistication? Great question. I do think it's evolved a lot in in just two and a half years. You know, so when I look back fifteen years ago when I first started working in nonprofits to now, of course, there's a huge difference. But even just two and a half years ago, I think that. Um, you know, social enterprise was not so well understood, sort of niche and, you know, people weren't really sure if it was even a thing. Um, I think 
now we're sort of in this uncomfortable, awkward, maybe teenage phase. Um, I see this all as a progression to where it won't be a niche at all. It will just be the way business is done, right? With, with a proper calculation of long-term social and environmental risk, you have to be thoughtful about your employees and your carbon output and, you know, all of these things that, that we think about as social enterprises. Um, and so I think right now it's, the mainstream is getting more and more aware of it. You know, I think if you sit down at a cocktail party and, you know, tell someone you're in social enterprise or sustainability response, some of those words are going to register these days, which is great. Um, but there still isn't, you know, to your point about sophistication, I think we don't necessarily take it quite seriously enough. And so we don't allocate the financial or human resources that it deserves quite yet. Uh, it, it's interesting. You, you made an interesting comment, one that I've often thought, and that is that that we are in this transition to a world where all businesses will, in, in essence, be social enterprises by the, the standards of 2015. And it, but it begs the question: How companies like, and I hate to pick on them, but but say big tobacco, big oil, how do they make that transition? It's a great question. And I think, you know, one option is that companies die. You know, companies do go out of favor and, and their businesses die and end, right? And, and not just because they're not good citizens or anything like that. You know, I think um, Kodak is a really interesting case study to see how they just didn't quite evolve and pivot in the ways that needed to happen. And, and so, you know, that's, that's tough. Um, I think that, you know, when companies get that large, they could be, if they so choose, larger than their original product, right? I mean, we, we certainly have examples of companies who have or are trying to evolve, you know, from a very different history. And so, um, maybe one interesting candidate for this would be like a Coca-Cola, right? And so I don't remember the exact numbers of uh, their percentage of sales that are, are sugar-based soda products, right? Versus water and low-calorie fruit drinks and, uh, you know, honest tea, which, which they acquired. So I think that um, you can look at, you know, what is the core business of a Coca-Cola? It's not sugar water, it's drinks and, and snack food that make people happy and are, you know, part of celebration in everyday life. Uh, and so while sugar water soda is, is quite problematic for, for public health interest and, and ourselves, um, I think that they are seem to be making a, a very legitimate effort toward diversifying their portfolio of products and revenue to be part of that new economy that we all look forward to where there is a, a better calculation of social and, and environmental risk. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the, the 22nd century tobacco looks like, but, you know, I, I don't think it's impossible that they can figure that out. Yeah. Well, it is exciting to think about a world that transitions to uh, more social and environmental accountability as part of the core value structure of, of corporations around the world. Uh, I, I look at uh, oil prices today, and uh, clearly there are a lot of things going on, but one of them certainly is that we are using less oil because we are driving less, driving more efficient cars, etc., cetera, and, uh, and also using more uh, conservation measures in our other aspects of daily life and how we run our homes and businesses. So very exciting. 
Um, listen, now I want to just get a couple of personal insights from you. And one thing I'd like to learn is as you become a role model uh, to so many people, all these people coming through your program are looking up to you as a leader. Who do you look up to as your role model? Uh, great question. So many. I, I'm blessed, especially as a sole founder. I've been really thoughtful to build uh, a, a cabal of smart, trusted advisors around me who I go to on different things, whether it's um, you know an, an imposter complex one day or a very specific financial structuring question the next, or or you know customer development acquisition strategies on another day. Uh, so there's a lot of people that I'm extremely grateful to in that way and, and are absolutely real models. Um, one person I think that stands out uh, particularly these days is Carol Fishman Cohen. Uh, she's the founder of iRelaunch, which you may have heard of. It's a, it's a national conference for women looking to reenter the workforce. And she started it ages ago. It's been, I think, nearly a decade um, after herself being a very successful professional woman uh, in business, and then taking some time off to raise her children, uh, and then wanting to come back to work and really struggling, you know, really coming up against some walls of not knowing how to do that, not necessarily being received well by employers. Um, and so she started this conference, and they did events all over the country, perhaps even internationally, I believe, in London. Um, and, and she's so she's built this company and really thoughtfully, strategically for such a important need um, that still even now people aren't, we're, we're not all adequately addressing. You know, we and other organizations are trying to offer more programs, which is great. Um, but I think that, you know, I admire how Carol was both so early in that. She was so ambitious and courageous to start something based on her own experience and frustration. Um, and she has navigated the growth of the company in a very smart way. She, she strategically kind of came back to just doing a New York event. Um, her founder, they, they parted ways last year and, and she's plunged on ahead with it on her own. Um, and, and she's an amazingly dynamic, funny, inspiring, warm speaker and, and woman to work with. So I think she's superb. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, I, I really appreciate that insight. Now, I want to ask you more fundamentally why you care about these issues, why you created Inspiring Capital. And I, I get the the need for it, right? Let me be clear. I'm not asking why it's important, why it should be done. I'm wanting to understand why you personally felt responsibility and a connection to, to these issues. Yeah, good question. It's like Carol, perhaps, or, or yourself building this, you know, video series or most other, I think probably all successful entrepreneurs, at least it's based on a very personal uh, drive and, and problem and frustration that I had. So coming out of um, my undergrad experience at Harvard, I, I went a very different path from most of my classmates to the nonprofit sector uh, and worked for 10 years in that world. Uh, five of which with a private equity investor who um, asked me to help him build what was sort of his legacy project, you know, as he approached 70 years old, wanting to give back after a career in business. And then I went to business school. And so I, I saw, you know, my career choices and, and what that meant for me um, and on the 
plus side, I was extremely motivated because my work was so rewarding on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, it, we weren't making leaps and bounds. There were steps forward and steps back, and there were frustrations, and I saw a lot of hard situations that I, I couldn't always fix. But ultimately, I, I had a very clear sense of, of why I was spending 10, 12, 14 hours at work you know, to, to move something forward, whether that was early childhood education or economic empowerment for women in the Middle East. And, and so I worked very hard and I was very happy and fulfilled doing it. Um, some downsides, I, you know, struggled to repay student loans and didn't have the budget to get to friends' weddings that I always wanted to go to. Um, and so that was a trade-off for me that I chose. And over the years, and then business school or working with this private equity investor, I saw you know people who were very smart and also worked very hard and got paid very well, and um, you know were happy with that. But they, you know, I, I felt that their level of envy for my sense of purpose and, and motivation that I got from my job outweighed my sense of envy for their financial stability. You know, and so it just seems to me that it, it's we're not in a resource poor environment, right? There is more than enough money out there and as well as human capital and social capital and, you know, intellect and technology, we have the resources we need to all be happy, healthy, productive and, and fed uh, in, in the world. Um, and so this, this separation that we make between money and meaning just feels really artificial and unnecessary for me. Uh, and I've seen how of course, money and resource helps social change happen better and faster. Um, and motivation and meaning helps people work more effectively, right? Bain just published a study that inspired workers are 225% more productive than just a satisfied one, right? So, wow. so this isn't a nice to have warm fuzzy. This is like a 2x power pill for all of our employees productivity if we can link it to some sense of meaning so anyway inspiring capital is my tool in the world to try to uh, unite this sense of ambition and professionalism and skills and resource um, including financial with informed smart strategic social change oh that's great i i think that's a a perfect response I wonder if you would um, just as one last question, we, we like to ask all of our guests for uh, what I call an impact hack, uh, some tip that would help us do more good in the world. Uh, what would be your impact hack? Love that question. Great, great uh, hashtag too. Um, I think that it is to listen. I think that the power of really listening and observing more generally kind of what people are asking for and, and the problems people are complaining about uh, and doing that in a diverse group, right? You need to expose yourself to really different people um, is extremely powerful because what it allows for is, is you know, leveraging underutilized resource, right? It's not just about money. It's not just that if, you know, if every nonprofit had the check that they would want in an ideal world, their problems wouldn't be solved, right? They need smart people. They need introductions to the right board members. They need awesome staff. Um, they need credibility in the neighborhoods they're trying to serve. And so if you listen, you can understand what problems other people are facing and what resources they have, right? And then over time, it's not immediate, right? Maybe six months later, maybe 18 months later, you remember, you know, geez, there was that 
you know, smart VP from Morgan Stanley who was telling me that he wants to stay at his job, it's intellectually challenging and financially rewarding, but he really wants to find a way to, you know, pay forward his love of soccer um, for a kid that kind of needs a mentor, right? And then maybe a year later, you're at a conference and you hear about an organization in the Bronx that's looking for a soccer coach, right? And and so, boom, here you have this win-win situation for, for this, this guy from Morgan Stanley and the kids he ends up coaching. Um, and it didn't cost anybody anything. In fact, it brings joy on both sides, right? So I think if, if you listen to what people are saying and, and the themes and trends around the world, you can find those unique um, arbitrage opportunities sort of to bring resource to bear on, on problems that are, that are around you. I think that's a great insight. Uh, you know, listening is such a powerful tool. And, and as you point out, it's, it's, it's impactful at, at sort of every level, whether it's personal or at a macro level. So I think that's great. Thank you. Now, before you go now, I wonder if you would just take a minute and tell people how they can get in touch with you, how they can learn more about what you're doing, et cetera. Absolutely. So inspiringcapital.ly is our website. Um, and we have applications up there for our women's program, which will be in April next. Uh, also coming soon in Raleigh, North Carolina, which we're excited about, as well as New York City. Um, our undergraduate program applications are open for the summer. Uh, MBAs, you've probably missed the boat, uh, unfortunately, for this year. You might be able to make a really good, sharp case, but, but we did close applications in December. Um, and we have a pitch for people opportunity right now, which is for social ventures less than two years old looking for amazing talent like our MBAs and women. And so uh, the applications actually in honor of this interview and some other partnerships have been extended. So the application is due February 29th uh, and we will pick finalists in mid-March um, and they will win a year of our Inspiring Capital Services. So an MBA fellow and some women to do consulting projects for those ventures. Uh, so please, please send in applications if you're early stage. Um, and then me personally, my email is Nell, M-E-L-L, at inspiringcapital.ly. Uh, be really clear about why you want to talk. My schedule is full, and so I want to make sure that it's a good use of both of our times. Uh, and you may have to remind me once or twice, um, but I, I do try to get through emails. You can also ping me on Twitter at, at NellDD. Fantastic. Well, Nell, thank you very much for being with us today. We want to wish you every success in changing the world. Thank you, Devin. I appreciate it. All right. Let's do some that. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Seed Equity Ventures is a registered broker-dealer with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and a member of both FINRA and SIPC providing investment banking services to startups globally. Seed Equity's mission is to find the best and brightest entrepreneurs and connect them with global investors. Patch of Land is the leader in real estate crowdfunding with a mission to provide real estate entrepreneurs with easy access to capital from thousands of investors who want to invest in the revitalization of American neighborhoods. Patch of Land is building wealth and growing communities. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air.
and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.